welcome to the Shades of Brown, the podcast that discusses the ever-evolving and sometimes contradicting thoughts of a Black millennial. I'm your host, Allie B, and I'm so very grateful that you are here with me for another episode. If this is your first time here, a very special welcome to you, and I hope that you stick around. This week, I have a very, very, very special guest with me, Jabari DeShields, who is an expert insurance agent, and he has consistently been a top performer for his uh, agency over the last decade. His agency is Lincoln Heritage, and he's here with us um, to talk about some 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 very important and significant stuff. And he also just happens to be my brother-in-law. So welcome to Shades of Brown. Jabari, how you doing? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you for being here. Before we unpack it, um, let's get into this first segment, which is adulting is ghetto. (laughs) This is a segment where me and my guests just share things that we just were not ready for or expecting in adulthood. Um, So Jabari, what's something that makes you say adulting is ghetto? I mean, it's so much. (laughs) I mean, you know, uh, got a lot going on, uh, but I think, um, really, I'm going to be honest, it's like all the things that our parents have ever told us, it's like the reminder that they were right. And so, you know, one thing I think about when it comes to like cleaning, you know, my mom, certain uh, seasons, she would wake me up and we would be cleaning all different types of places in the house, smallest cracks and crevices, and um, just realizing the importance of maintaining and uh, being a good steward over what you have, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it could be annoying, it could be frustrating, because you could feel like I just did it. Yep. Um, so, you know, but what you get from it, you know, uh, taking care of what you need to take care of, being a good steward. Um, having times where you clean so it's not piled upon you. So mm-hmm. that's just one out of many things. You know, I got a, a lot of people I'm responsible for. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if y'all are, if y'all follow me on Instagram, you know, I'm always posting either to my stories and sometimes to my grid too about my five babies who I claim is mine, but they're actually not mine. They're actually his, y'all. <laughs> Those babies that look like me, they're actually his and my sister, Ashley. It's five of them, y'all. So when he say a lot, they got a team over there. And that's so true. Like the maintenance of everything. It's like everything requires maintenance. I'm even considering like my next car to be whenever that comes, because I'm not uh, shopping for a new car anytime soon. But whenever that comes, I'm even thinking about making sure it's um, electric because like having to pump gas all the time or like. It's just all these little things that it's just the constant of it. It's like, can I just have a break? Can the gas just oh, yeah. stay? Or Definitely not? gas. Now I just fill up at a certain time of the week so I can forget about it. <laughs> I'm the, I used to run out of gas a lot. <laughs> I used to run out of gas a lot. And I'm like, yo, I gotta stop. Because my kids were like, dad, like, what are you doing? You know, when kids, you know, you're just embarrassing. You're like, yo, I didn't That's terrible. And it's never because you ain't got it. It's never because of whatever. It's just like, it's such a, just an aggravating task, you know? Like, that's hilarious. Thank God I've never run out of gas. I don't know how, because I'm one of those people, when the light comes on, that is not my signal to get gas. It's like, 
I got another week. <laughs> another week. <laughs> it's like 30 miles empty. I'm like, all right, cool. Because I know when it gets around 16 miles empty, that's when like my radar is going to go blank and it won't tell me anymore. I'm like, all right, let me, <laughs> let me, right. let me go get scared. Okay. So, I get it though, man. Like maintenance is, it's ridiculous. All right. Well, let's get into this conversation. Um, over the last year, I've been thinking a lot more, a <laughs> lot more about death and how near it is to us all at all times. And it's a bit dark, but it's inevitable. Um, and you think because it's inevitable, it wouldn't be such a taboo topic, but it is. Um, and since we can't escape it, the conversation or the reality of it, I think we should make conversations around death more practical, specifically when it comes to the logistics of post-life care um, and specifically things around life insurance. Um, in the past year, we've heard stories about people like Takeoff, the rapper from Migos and another rapper, PNB Rock. We've heard stories of people like them who didn't have life insurance and maybe not even a will. Um, so even though they have tons of assets, you know, tons of capital, um, it's still placed in an unnecessary burden on their families who are already grieving and hurting. Um, these types of cases are so unfortunate yet so common. And the weight of that responsibility is left to those who are grieving already. Um, so I'm hoping that this conversation that we have today will encourage us all to become more prepared for the one thing none of us can avoid. So let's unpack it. Jawari, can you just break down in like dummy terms, what exactly is life insurance and what is its purpose? So life insurance is basically, uh, the original design was to be a survivor benefit. So let's just say the breadwinner, the husband, in most cases, uh, back in that time, if he would die, the family would just be left to figure life out. And so life goes on. You have bills, you have your monthly bills, your house payment, you know, your car payments. And the reality is that this policy was designed to replace him as far as the financial goes. And so um, in a nutshell, it's basically is money that your family can access to, that can help them live on in place of the breadwinner dying. That was the original design. And since then, there's been many, there's many different types of insurance policies that we kind of, I know we're going to touch on um, that people just need to understand. But yeah, basically it's, is you know, you love your family and, you know, you're thinking past you being here, you know, when you leave, what's, what are they going to do? Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of having that foresight and making sure that they'll be all right financially. That makes sense. Thank you for breaking that down. Um, so does everyone need life insurance or is it specifically a necessity for people who have folks depending on them? I mean, anybody who's breathing, if you're breathing, if you're alive, you need life insurance yeah. because it's cost. Just like when you're born, it costs money for you to be born. You know, each and every one of my children that were born, you know, we had health insurance, but you know, that's, that's, that's a fee. It costs yeah. money. Yeah. And so um, just like when you die, it costs money. And especially if people are depending on you, if you have children, right? Every, anybody, or if you have a loved one, let's just say you don't have children, 
There's people in your family who, when you die, they're going to be responsible for the funeral. Or if you have any debts, and this person is considered the closest next of kin, right? That close family member, you want to look out for them. So yeah, everybody. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, A lot of people get their life insurance primarily through their employer. Um, Is that typically sufficient or should we have some sort of supplemental policy in place? What we've seen through history and um, me last week, I celebrated my 10 year anniversary in the um, in- industry. Congratulations. Yes, you yes. are. You, you've been an expert, but you officially an expert expert. Yeah, I'm officially official. I'm a young veteran in the game. So um, but I got to correct you on one thing. Uh, Lincoln Heritage is the company that I partner with. But I have an agency called the Legendary Group. Um, you Thank know, you for we, correcting we partner- that. We've been partnered with Lincoln Heritage uh, for 10 years, and I'm extremely grateful uh, for the leadership and the knowledge. Um, but, you know, it's extremely, it's extremely um, beneficial. I'll repeat the question again. Um, I want to make sure. Do we need, typically we get our life insurance through our employers. Um, is it necessary that we get supplemental um, policies right, or right, right. is yeah. that one sufficient? I, I agree. So through history and me being with the company, you know, I understand that most people I talk to, even my parents, they have insurance on their job. And like back in the day, you know, these these people, especially the baby boomers, they were working for companies for 20 years, 30 years, you know, their whole career and they were retired. And what would happen is they would retire and they wouldn't be able to keep the insurance. That's one scenario. Another scenario is they could keep it. But that policy at a certain time uh, will reduce. Or the third thing is they would have to take over the whole premium. So you have to understand that when you, it's, it's group insurance. You know, it's a few words for it, supplemental group insurance. So you're getting a group rate. And so when you're paying a certain portion every week, that company is paying the majority. So they own that policy. You don't own it. So when you when you leave, sometimes that company's like, hey, look, we're not paying for your life insurance anymore. Mm-hmm. But if they do, like I said, the third scenario is you have to take over the whole premium. So whatever part that they were paying, you now have to pay that. Most of the times when these people retire, they're not coming into a bunch of money. They have their retirement, but they can't afford that. You know, you're talking about a lot of money. These people yeah. might be paying five hundred dollars a month. Yeah, they can't afford that, and now they're on fixed income. So, I believe that having a third-party company, outside insurance, a policy—basically, in a nutshell, you own this policy. Even if you look at um, Sears, you know when those folks got laid off, a lot of people don't understand that even the people who are already retired they lost their insurance. Are you yes. serious? People who are already retired and had insurance with this company, they lost it. And so that's the reality. These, you know, these companies, they own these policies. And so you want something that you own where you're not dependent on the company's decisions. Yeah. Wow. Dang. That's so risky. Could yeah. y'all imagine working for a company for 40 something years, 30 something years, and you retire, you're getting your benefits and they're still at risk? Like that. Jesus Christ. Yeah, you just want to know. You know, I tell people that I sit with, ask these questions. You know, do you even have a policy? Do you know that 
the ins and outs of it. What's going to yeah. happen when you pass? Because especially like back in the day, you know, a lot of times when people would be a part of a union, you know, they would allow these people to carry on the insurance and they wouldn't have to pay anything else. Um, yeah. So you just want to find that out. What percentage, um, and you can ballpark it, um, what percentage uh, of Black families have life insurance in comparison to white families or non-Black families? Well, the interesting thing that I've found is the stats show that actually 88 out of 10 Black families have life insurance and 7 out of 10 white families. So Really? With, yeah, yeah. But with that, it's a mindset thing. Because with majority of the population, particularly white families, they have on average the median is one hundred and fifty thousand in life insurance, while we is fifty thousand. Mm. So it's a mindset thing. And let me tell you, I know we're gonna get into. It, I just want to throw this in there. When I took the test in two thousand thirteen, really when I was studying for the life insurance exam in two thousand thirteen, one of the things that I saw when I was studying that I was shocked. They said life insurance is a way to transfer wealth. Let's so talk about it. Let's talk about it. A lot of our people, especially the men, they don't want a lot of insurance on them. It's a mindset. They're, they're mainly thinking about burial. And so for me, I work in a niche market. I work with Lincoln Heritage. That's a final expense company. So majority of my clients are baby boomers, are people who health is struggling a little bit. And they're looking for this type of insurance because sometimes when you're dealing with term insurance, and we'll get into what that what term insurance is, you can't get it after a certain age. And so with these group of people, all they're thinking about is burial. And some of them have, have had burial from a young age instead of thinking about a life insurance that they could pass down. Right. And I'm going to share something a little bit later that's going to really shock you when you talk about the richest families and how they've been able to maintain their wealth for generations compared to rich families where that wealth has dwindled down mm. and life insurance is in that conversation. But you know what, what I've noticed, and I don't know if life insurance is the totality of the reason that we do death differently in regards to white families and black families. I don't know if life insurance is, is the only reason, but just in, over my, over the span of my life, I've noticed that we deal with and view death very differently. Like white families, they, they of course they're sad, right? Like death is sad, you know, but their grieving process, I've noticed just in my observation is a bit different. And yeah. I'm starting to wonder if it's because it's like, you know what? We've lost this family member. We're sad. It sucks, but this is a part of life. And they have left something that allows our family to be comfortable, maybe even more comfortable. They have left something for our family to be able to do more, to explore, to start businesses. You know, I know people who have been able to come into homeownership because, you know, their parents unfortunately passed on. Right. So it was like, though, this is sad. This opens the door for me. So I'm wondering if that's a piece of the conversation, you know, like, because it is a generational wealth building tool. Like, I mean, I was shocked when I saw that. And I'm, I'm like, I know people don't know this. Because yeah. I've never faced a day in my life. Yeah. So to that point, why is it that now that we're coming into the awareness that this is and can be used as a generational wealth building tool, why is it so difficult to have conversations around life insurance, death? Um, hard negative things that are 
inevitable. Why is it? Why do you think it's so difficult for us to have these conversations with our families? Um, I just think it boils down to, you know, a lot of us are just not realistic, mm. you know, um, and we're not taking the time to sit down. You know, one of the things I like to say now is, yo, sit down somewhere and plan. Yeah. Like, and when I hear it that way for me, it's like, yo, like, all right, you got to sit some down. You got to sit down somewhere and plan. You got to slow down and understand, like, this life is quick. Yeah. Death is quick. And and do you, you know, sometimes when I'm talking to a client, because I'm beyond the point, you know, of, you know, I got to get a sale. But I'm really having conversations with these people like, yo, do you really love your family? Mm. Do you do you love them? Because if you love your wife, if you love your children, you're not going to leave a responsibility. You're not going to leave debt. Yeah. You're not going to leave them even having the mindset of trying to figure it out. And so it's taking the time. And then also, um, people don't understand how inexpensive life insurance could be. So they're thinking in my mind that this is this big deal that now that I have to accumulate, you know, this is more money I'm going to have to put out. And so they're, they're thinking of this is just another big deal that I'm going to have to spend. And so they're like, you know, I'll get to that. Or, you know, you know, so those are the two main things is, is you know, I'm going to be honest, especially a lot of my clients is irresponsibility. Because mm. these, these seniors are 60, 70 years old and they're telling me they don't, they don't have insurance. They don't know what's going to happen. That's so risky. Yeah. So and, you got to think, they were young. And so it's life. They're, they're living life. They're living life. They're living life, living life, living life. You know, you say you're going to get to it. It's a conversation that's a little, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. You passing away, that's an uncomfortable conversation. And so, yeah. Just understanding that it can be made simple. Um, let's keep it simple. The main thing is, you know, your family needs money to pay for this. Even if you don't have all the arrangements, at least you have them some money. Yeah. To leave behind. Well, let's talk about that too, though, because I feel like, um, and I'm grateful for those who especially have bigger platforms that have shared about their experiences with death. Um, and I learned a lot um, listening to, I listen to basically everything that Kevin Stage posts. So anything that's connected to Kevin Stage, I'm consuming it. And on one of his, I believe, oh, he and his wife did a special YouTube video sort of just explaining what happened after their brother died. Kevin on stage, his brother, Jason Fredericks, unfortunately passed away um, at the end of 2022. And they talked about just how difficult it was to deal with the logistics of it all. The, you know, he's in the hospital, he dies. How much time you have to get his body from the hospital to the funeral home? What funeral home do you choose? Uh, are we going to bury him in this city that he's in currently? Or are we going to go back to where he was born or to where, you know, what city are we going to? Um, what is he going to wear? Who's going to pick that out? Um, all of these little decisions that have that have to be made. Is he going to even right. be buried or cremated or other? All these decisions that have to be made, whether someone has life insurance or not. Um, I think that it's, it really does go beyond just life insurance, but also having those arrangements in place. Because if you've already, we all have preferences, right? We may not want to discuss our preferences, but we all have preferences. Like one for me is I don't want to be buried. I want to be cremated. Do not put me in a box. This is going on record. Okay. Do not put me 
in a box under the ground. Don't do it. I'm claustrophobic. In my death, too. <laughs> Don't do it. You want your ashes spread? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Right. And I think that we have we have these preferences, but if they go unspoken, it is left right. to your loved ones to figure it out. Right. You know, and that and you know, that could be, you know, that can get real serious. Man, you know, let's let's get... let's keep it, you know, totally real. Families go on not talking for years because of disagreements when it comes down to not just the money, but certain decisions, what's gonna happen. Yeah, it gets it gets real. It gets real it, ugly. It gets real ugly. And I'm going to be very transparent without divulging too much information. I unfortunately have lost two siblings. My dad has had to bury two of his kids um, and it was back to back. One passed at the end of 2020, um, one passed at the end of 2010 and one passed at the beginning of 08. So it was like not even a full two years apart. Wait, did I say that right? Oh, March 08. Then, then December 2010, so like two and a half years, right? And the things that transpired before the funeral, during the funeral, and after the funeral has had lasting impacts till this day, which we're now in 2023. Wow. And our family has not been the same since. Yeah. And if you're listening, you know I ain't lying. <laughs> right. Our family has not been the same because of these sorts of things because arrangements, because of preferences. And, and I get it, right? Like death, though it's inevitable, oftentimes it's unexpected. My sister died in a freaking house fire, bro. Like those are things you cannot plan for. But what we can do as individuals is prepare for what we know is going to happen. We don't know how it's going to happen. We don't know when it's going to happen. But we do know death is coming, period, point, and blank. And I try sounds- to protect the people and not the country. I just want to insert this. When you said that, I just like to present it to people in a way of, you know, again, let's keep this simple. We just want to make this easy for your family. Yeah. Like, I just want to make this, if I died, before, I just want to make this easy for my family, you know, for my wife, for my mom. I just want to make the process simple. So let me let me just get a few things in place. Just think of it like that. I don't want my family to, to be in hardship. Yeah. Because especially, um, and I heard somebody say this, that you don't want your family to cry twice. Cry because you've gone on, but then cry because they don't have the money and they don't know what they're going to do. And that part, that's good. That's good, mm-hmm. man. Man. It's, it's just a conversation that has to be had. Um, and even, even with, and since we're talking about arrangements, you know, um, we all used to go to the, to the same church in Huntsville. And there was this gentleman, man, that was so near and dear to uh, me and Ashley. And uh, we didn't talk to him in like a few months. And when he passed away, we didn't know till a few months later. And so why is that important? Because there's people that your loved ones might be close with, or might have relationships with, that are people who really, really love them and will want to show their respects. And so one of the things that we have is we have a final wish book where you're able to put down the people that you want to be notified that you will want to come to the funeral easily, at least let them know. And so I look at that as like, man, that's a huge thing. There's some people that your people might not really have at the top of their mind, but this is somebody that you cultivated a relationship with that you're close with, and they don't even know what's going on. Yeah. I I think about that because I have friends who I am extremely close to, but I am not extremely close to their family, right? So like- mm-hmm. 
one example, my best friend from middle school, like she knows my whole family just like I know hers. And, you know, we're very integrated in that way. But in adulthood, it's not that simple, you know, like we I may be tight with somebody, but they family somewhere else, my family somewhere else. So sometimes it's not that simple. Your families may not know who to notify, but the the book you're talking about, I actually have it right in front of me. It's this My Final Wishes book. And I actually asked Jabari to give this to um, well, actually, he offered it because um, I was just talking about death and he offered it. And I was like, yo, this is wonderful because it gets to it gets to the, like the like you said, keeping it simple. Who needs to be notified? Like what's important? You know, and it is it's hard to feel out. I ain't gonna I ain't gonna hold you like answering some of these questions. <laughs> and I haven't even finished it yet because it's like it makes me think about things, you know, yeah. but even things like where are all your passwords, right? Because can you, can you talk about how it's not just as simple as having insurance, but getting access to that insurance when it's time? Yeah. Yeah. So you do want to, <laughs> that's a great question. You know, there's millions of dollars in unclaimed insurance money every single year. And so that is a reality where loved ones don't know where the policy is. They don't know the company so some of the things for people, this, it might be some people listening where you might want to check some things. Um, and there, you know, there's ways you could check the Department of Insurance, but check the person's bank account, their bank statements, and see if you see the life insurance company. But yeah, before even all that, you want to notify your family. You want to let them know, hey, I have this, this life insurance in place, uh, especially the beneficiary. Let them know that you have it, where it is, uh, the company's number, the agent's number. And then also, um, that's, that's your primary beneficiary. That's the primary beneficiary is the person who is going to be the person to get the check. But if they die, you want to have what is called a contingent. So make sure you're doing this when you get life insurance. Don't just put the primary. Have a contingent beneficiary that if the primary passed away or was unable you know, uh, medically to do this in that type of situation, this person will automatically be next in line. Notify those people. Notify the family, your close proximity of people. And I tell people sometimes I'm, I'm sitting with them and they're like, I don't know who, you know, I don't know. I don't trust my family or man, you know, I don't know what these folks are going to do with their money. And I, and I say, you know, I understand, you know, you have some family members who slimy and grimy. You don't know what's, what they're going to do and how they react to getting that check if they'll properly put you away. So I say this, hey, if you die right now, who do you trust? Who, who would you want to take care of it at this moment? Who's like the first one or two people that you can think of where you know you could trust them to at least get you buried? And then I tell them, hey, let's say at least put them for now. And then you can always change that later. So, yeah, that's that's extremely important because you don't want the insurance to go unclaimed. Mm. So. Thank you for breaking that down. because That's really important because. That, that is also a conversation that we may not have time for, but some people don't trust their and, families. And, and you can split it up in percentages, too. Oh, really? Like if you have life insurance and, you know, uh, you wanted to go to multiple people, uh, you could split it up. And even, let's just say you have different life insurance, like you have a final expense type plan. That's the type of life insurance that's mainly designed for your burial. And then you have a regular, let's say you have a term and you have another whole life that's a large amount of insurance. Your final expense um, let's just say, you know, you wanted to that to go to a certain person who you wanted to handle the arrangements. Right. But that person wasn't your children. 
that could be the primary beneficiary to final expense insurance. But let's just say you have a, a term like that's a, a hundred and fifty thousand. Well, you could put one of your children over that, right? And then let's say if you have multiple children, you could split it up in percentages. You know, fifty percent, twenty five percent. You're able to do that, and you're even able to leave insurance behind the charity. You're able to leave insurance behind. You could put the funeral home to be the beneficiary. You could put your church, right? Your pastor. Some people don't have families. I sit with some some of my clients. They don't. They're the last of the Mohicans, right? They're, they're the last of their family members. Yeah. So you know they they want to leave it to their church to take care of it. You know. Um, so yeah, you you have those that flexibility when choosing a beneficiary. So when it comes to cost, let's talk a little bit about cost. Um, one, the different types of insurance and how much it costs um, on a monthly basis to, you know, maintain these policies. And also, how much does it cost to bury somebody? Like, what are burial costs and what we should be considering? Um, can you speak a, bit, a little bit about that? Yeah, so costs, um, let's just say if you're in your 20s or your 30s, man, you can get um, different types. So let me start with different types of insurance. You have your, your term life. Um, and then you have your cash value policy, uh, which is your permanent. So term insurance is basically, I like to think of it as like a presidential term. The president is only able to be a president for so many years. Once that term ends, if they don't get reelected, they're not the president. So with term insurance, you have it for this certain time frame. Once that term ends, you can renew it, but there gets to a point where at a certain age, most companies, it ends at about anywhere from about 75 to 85. That term officially ends, which means you've been paying on this for all these years. And let's say when you get to 80, doesn't matter how much you've been paying into this policy, it completely cancels. That's term insurance. Now, it's good. I believe in it. So, again, I'm very transparent with my clients. I know I'm in a final expense industry, mm-hmm. but I tell them, hey, I believe and different types of insurance. I have different types of insurance. And so I let them know that, hey, for your situation, you want to, I believe that people always need a burial on the side to take care of that, right? Because I know with our company, we pay claims in 24 to 48 hours upon approval. That's typically the first check that they get. So with, with term, okay, it ends. So you have a five, 10 year, 20 year, 30 year terms, okay? Get it while you're young, while you're healthy. Those policies, the premiums, um, if it's not a, a uh, level term, the premiums will continue to rise. So understand that, too. As you get older, it's going to go up a little bit. And then another thing with term, it, do, it doesn't have any cash value. So you, you're not able to withdraw money from it or, or borrow against the plan. It's only designed to be a death benefit. Um, they have even now where um, mortgage insurance, where they'll put a mortgage insurance on you to if you died and that covered a house payment. Okay. So term insurance is designed is you get a lot of insurance for a little bit amount of money. So let's just say if you're in your twenties or, or your thirties, you get a $500,000 policy anywhere from 30 to $40. Right. Wow. Um, with term. So I think that's a great idea, especially when you're younger. Now there's some companies that I know once you get to 70, you can no longer get term. So you mm-hmm. want to get that while you're young and while you're healthy, um, male and female. And then you have uh, permanent policies. Now, under that umbrella, you have whole life, universal life. Uh, these are cash value policies. 
that build interest. Okay, so whole life is um, something that's super, super uh, great. It's permanent. The premium that you pay, it stays the same. It never changes. Um, and it lasts for your entire life. It will not expire on you. You will always have it. So I look at that as a policy that you own. Nothing okay. is going to happen to it. It can't be taken away from you. Term is temporary. Whole okay. life, you, you own it. Now, you have back in the day when people used to really believe there's companies like Prime America, great company, where they will really, you know, buy term and invest the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a great idea, right? But there's even some billionaires who have whole life insurance. Now, I know, I don't know them per se, but I, I heard a billionaire in a podcast, he was saying how he pays like 20000 a month in whole life insurance. But these people are, and it's basically, it's an investment. They're putting money into these policies that they can actually withdraw money from, okay? So whole life, permanent, it's fixed. The premium stays the same. You keep it for your whole life. You can uh, withdraw, borrow against the policy. Then you have universal life, which can be a little bit more complicated. It's a cash value policy, but it's dependent upon the index of the economy. Sometimes the, the premium can go up. The, premium, the, uh, the cash value can go down. Even the coverage amount can go down. So to keep it basic, whole life and term is the two simple plans, right? And I'm a, I'm a believer of both, whatever your situation is. Now, let's just say we have some people listening and your parents don't have life insurance. They might not be able to get a good rate on the term, right? But let's just say because they're older, um, look for you some plans that's affordable where the premium is not going to continue to go up. If you can, if you can find a term for your family members, definitely get it, but understand that it will expire. So a lot of times we get these things through the mail, especially from companies like Globe Life, where you see $10, you get 50,000, right? That's great, but just understand the clauses that is term, the premium will go up and just know what's best for your situation. Um, so that's that's really that's really the basics. Again, I believe in all different types of insurance. There's even uh, life insurance for like, you know, credit, where if you have certain type of loans, it covers that. It's it's a lot of different different policies they have out there. Um, but um, especially, you know, really for your parents, when they're getting these things through the mail, make sure you're reading the information, even the commercials that come on. I like to explain to people that. Um, you want to know if you're getting qualified for day one insurance or a graded benefit insurance, which is a two year waiting period. There are some companies that if you sign up through the mail and there's no one asking you about your health, that means this company is going to approve you automatically. You already know that's a little funny because if this company is saying if you get ten thousand dollars and they're saying if you die tomorrow, we're going to pay your family 100 percent of that money. Is something else going on. Mm-hmm. So anytime you're not dealing with a underwriter, a person is not asking you about your health. That's what the underwriter is. They're qualifying you. They're asking about your medications. They're asking about your health in the past two or five years, right? That's how you know that you are in a situation where you're going to be able to qualify for day one. Day one insurance is I get the policy today. I die in a month. I pay one time. This family, this, this company is going to pay 100% to my family. That's day one. So that's why I said, if you're listening and you're healthy and you don't have insurance, you want to get it immediately. Because I found where I would sit with a person and they'll be healthy. 
they'll put it off, right? I got time. I'm healthy. I'm not about to die. Ooh. Next time I sit with them, they had a heart attack or they're on a blood thinner. And now they can't get qualified for the same thing. So you just want to get it while you're healthy, especially if you're young. If you're under 50 years old, I mean, you can get insurance for under $100 and that'll take care of your family. Wow. Thank you. This is some priceless information. Um, before we get into like the uh, list of expenses for burial, I want to go back to the cash value um, insurance policy, insurance policies you were speaking of. When you talk about borrowing against your own insurance policy, can you speak of the benefits that that has um, in comparison to borrowing, you know, from some other bank or credit card company? Yeah, because this is money, you know, that this is building interest on your plan. It typically starts in year two. Um, now, if you have a final expense plan, I don't recommend people to borrow from that only in an emergency. Final expense is typically a, a smaller type of whole life insurance, mainly for burial medical bills. If you have a big whole life, they have some whole life that you give for 500000 They have million-dollar whole life policies, $100,000 whole life policies. Um, people use that for college you know, tuition um, because in, a, in some years, you will have a certain amount of money built into that. And so you're able to take from that. Now, understand you're borrowing against your policy. And so the difference, if you die, let's say you, you have a $50,000 policy and you borrow 15 grand from it, right? If you die without that 15 grand being paid back, they take the difference, okay? So understand that aspect. You're borrowing against it. But when you get your policy, they typically have a chart uh, where they will break down each year how much you have available to you. Um, there's some companies where they will add on top of your premium a certain amount so you can pay it back. Some companies don't have that. Uh, so you just want to understand that. But it's extremely valuable when needed. Um, people use that, again, as just a way to withdraw money. And another thing about life insurance you have a beneficiary, you know, on that policy. Doesn't matter if you owe taxes. It's tax-free money. This is tax-free money that you get to leave behind to your family. So, wow, um, that's a game changer. Like, it's a game changer. People don't be knowing that because they're like, "What?" <laughs> right, it's tax-free money. And so, um, also, I want to throw in here is two things I want to say. So, again, when you're talking about a term insurance or a policy that has a high dollar amount, anything over 30, 50,000, it's going to take a little bit of time in most cases. It can take statistically, of course, in cases sooner, it could take 30 days and even months for these high dollar policies to pay out. They're going to pay as long as you was honest on your health exam, they're going to pay, right? But that's why I believe in a final expense or if you have money, if you have money, most people don't, aren't able to, to go ahead and go to a funeral home and pay for it. You got $10,000 and you got it like that. Go ahead and pay for your funeral in full and get the receipt. Now, so that's an option. You can pay for your funeral in advance. It's an option. It's called pre-need. It's not as popular. 
Okay, because again, most people don't have 10 grand just to put it towards a funeral. Another thing is some people used to pay for it monthly, but those premiums are very high. And the risk is that funeral home might not be around, right? And in some cases, they'll transfer it, but we know some cases where a person has spent all this money paying this pre-need funeral, and that funeral then left town, closed down, and that family's not able to get anything. That happens. And so I'm a believer of just, hey, get you a final expense plan to take care of the funeral expenses or if you have 10 grand somewhere that you can put to the side for a funeral. Because the goal is, you know, we're talking about generational wealth. There's, there's levels to it. In the beginning, you know your insurance will take care of your family, your burial, for them to live on. But we're, we're, we want to be self-insured, especially when it comes to the funeral. We want to be able to take care of that. You know, that's the goal. But in the meantime, most people just don't have that. And so this is what this is for. You're paying this small premium to take care of that. And so I want to say this because this is super powerful. I heard this story a few years back, but I went ahead and, and did a little more of my research. And they talked about the comparison between the Rockefellers and the Vanderbilts. Right. And so the Rockefellers, um, I mean, they have been able to maintain their generational wealth, six generations. The reason is because they have, you know, a lot of businesses, trusts have been put in place, irrevocable, where certain things are put in place. I even saw one thing where they have trust in over 70 heirs. So these people were, they were dead serious about managing through generations about how this money is going to be passed down. But one of the things is that life insurance is a part of that. They make sure they have life insurance on every one of their family members because that helps to fund the trusts to keep the money going. So when I heard that, I'm like, oh, I don't need to hear anything else. Because when they compared it to the Vanderbilts, I didn't see them doing that. And it's really sad. You know, you can look it up. You can look at this stuff up on the internet as far as what their wealth have doing down to. Like, it's, it's extremely sad. But it's also a real thing like, Hey, we have to think about these things. We have to think, you know, God is generational. You know, we're a part of the puzzle, right? Certain things happen at certain times because God was thinking of a hundred generations down the line. And so you have to think generational because at the end of the day, this, this hit me. I have kids, but the next, those are still going to be my kids. I want to take care of my babies that are not even here for the next five generations. But you have to put a plan in place that's going to be protected. And life insurance is one of the ways to keep the money in the family. So let's talk about a family member who may, you know, maybe your matriarch or patriarch of your family. They're just not, you know, being cooperative. Is there something that um, the children or grandchildren can do to be proactive um, on behalf of that person who just not getting with the picture? Yeah, get a life insurance on them. Get a policy on their butt. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> get a policy, hem them up, granddad, grandma, and need you to sit down and answer these questions. Yeah. Simple as that's, that. I mean, that's how we got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, look, I'm paying for this. Yeah. I need you to answer these questions. Mm-hmm. Grandma, you know I love you. What's your social? What's your date of birth? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead and let's get this done. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you like the whole family, I tell people, because now, you know, when I was, you know, when I first started doing this, like I was a month out of college. I was, it was at a time where I was trying to decide if I wanted to continue with basketball. So I just started doing this. Right. And so I was fast paced with everything. I was trying to get, get people. I wasn't worried about referrals. I wasn't worried about family members. But after a while, I'm like, people are dying and they're seeing how our policy works. And then they're calling me, asking to get in on other family members. Let me focus on being a family agent. So now when I talk to these people, I say, hey, who in your family that you know if they died, you would have to deal with the process of trying to come up with the money. It, you need to have, this needs to be a family conversation. Because if we, if let's just say if every grandchild got a policy on the grandparents, that's a start. You have to think of it like that. You know, that's a start. Get a policy on your parents. Get a policy on your kids. Get a policy on your siblings. You could do that. Wow. Wow. I did not know. I did not know. And these are all things, like you said, that can be simplified because like you, like just like people like you, there are people to help, right? Like we don't have to have all the answers. There are people and agents right. like Jabari who will simplify these things for us. Because for me, I get overwhelmed so easily. When I get overwhelmed, I'm like, you know what? I'm, I ain't going to worry about it. And I think yeah, that's what yeah. happens with, you know, our, our families and our family members, especially those who are getting older. They're already facing this stark reality that their time yeah. is nearing. Because there's something about... And since I've, since I've hit my 30s, it's something about aging that is just very humbling. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's very like, oh, we like I got you see teenagers and kids and it's just like, wait a minute. I'm 20 years older than this person. And right, right. <laughs> but I feel like a kid myself. You know what I'm saying? So it's, just, right. it's, it's a very humbling experience. So I couldn't imagine dealing with the reality of living in chronic pain or slowing down and you can't do as much for yourself and to then have to, you know, consider all this logistical stuff or generations. Some people, right? some people um, um, don't know if they can qualify for insurance too. Mm, okay. Some people, you know, like you're saying, they're at this age and they're thinking because they had a heart attack because they, there's companies that will write you if you had cancer. There's companies that will write you if you have cancer right now. It's companies that will write you if you have HIV AIDS. It's companies that will write you if you have diabetes, high blood pressure, dealing with cholesterol, lupus, fibromyalgia, right? Um, uh, all those type of things that we, we deal with, that you had a blood clot, you know, um, there's companies that will write you. And so understand that, you know, there's companies that, that can help, you know, that can, that can help you become qualified. Wow. Wow. So folks, please be encouraged. Just like figure it out. Just go check it out. See what's available for you. Um, you talked about the um the time frame that it often takes insurance companies to, you know, dish out the money. Who's responsible in, in that in-between time frame to figure out? And I think that's what, what you're saying about the having that um like end of life um expense, the burial expense insurance, uh -huh. but like but if they don't have that, they don't have a policy with you, right? Or so, or someone like you, who's responsible to take care of those expenses, those burial expenses? Because everyone can't wait a whole month for their for a body to just sit. 
Yeah. You know, who's, who's, who's responsible for that? Well, you know, the closest next of kin, that's that family member. Um, if you're married, a spouse, if you're a child, you know, your parent, if you're unmarried, uh, vice versa. And so the, the immediate family. And so the reality is when, when, you, when you're in the hospital, let's say you die in the hospital, right? Let's say you got some young people. Let's, let's keep it what it is. Let's say somebody gets shot. They're bleeding. They're, they get to the hospital. They die. Flatline. One of the first questions that they ask you is what funeral are we going to send this body, this, this body to? So whoever that person is, so the closest next of kin, they're immediately forced to think about these type of things. And so again, it might be your parent. It might be, you know, your, your sibling. Whoever is that person that is close to you, these people have to come together and try to figure this thing out. And so you talk about in times where some companies it could take, because you got to think, especially if you've got the policy within two years, there's something that's called a contestability period. All life insurance has this. The contestability period is that if you die within two years, the company has a right to contest, to find out if everything is line upon line that you were honest, you know, that nothing comes back where you had a heart attack and you didn't tell them, they have a right to do that. And so outside of two years, it's not contestable. Okay. But within two years, it is uh, contestable. And so even again, with these large policies, they still have to check medical records and things like that. And so with that long process, that's why I tell people, if you don't have the money to dish out immediately, you want to have you a final expense that's do, that's designed to take care of the burial expense, et cetera, immediately. And like I said, I, I had a lady out of uh, Enterprise, sweet lady. She had a policy with me. I mean, I, she had a policy with me for years, probably since like 2016, July 17. And she ended up getting a policy on her son. And then she ended up increasing the insurance. And so she just wanted enough to have him buried. So that's what I did. We had 10000 on him. He died within two months of having the policy, 41 years old. And so what happened was because it was within two years, I needed the death certificate and we needed the medical records. But the day that she sent the medical records, three business days from then, this was during the holiday, this just passed, it was during the holiday season, three, day, three business days after we paid the claim. And so... Again, that's why I believe in final expense as well. Um, everybody's situation is different than what they need and what they can afford. But again, uh, the family is going to have to take care of this. Your close family. So that's why when I say, do you love your family? Do you love your family? Because this is they're forced to think about it whether they want to or not. Right? A person say, hey, I need to think about this. Well, death doesn't have a holiday. What do we need to think about? Right? <laughs> What we need to think about. You don't have it. You know you need it. Can you afford it? We can always make changes later. So insurance depends upon your age and health, but the, the, the family that's close to you, they're the ones, you know, who are going to have to make these decisions. Ma'am, thank you for breaking that down. My last question for you is how would you encourage us to approach our families to sit down and have these planning meetings and you know get things in line? Um, the first thing is I will go ahead 
and, you know, get insurance on yourself and then just let them know what you have, uh, where to find it, the basics. I would just start from there, you know, because, again, this is this is a this is a rough conversation. But then as you go on, begin to think about how you want things to go, because, again, the whole purpose of this is making this process easy on your family and you being realistic. You understand how life works, that we're not going to be here forever. You be real with that and help your family out where this is a smooth transition for them, a peaceful transition for them. You want them to have peace of mind. You want their focus to be on celebrating you, right? And not how are we going to do this? You don't want, you want, you don't want to add stress. So you want to think about how can I make that it's a little bit more peaceful for my family. And just write some things down that come to you. Um, you know, if you want a, a book, you know, I can send you out a free Final Wish book. Um, or you can research these things online. They have basically what funeral homes will need. What, would, what are they expecting of you? All the things to be done during that time. You can research these things online and begin to write these things down. But, yeah, I just will begin that way. Let it get the insurance on yourself. Let them know what you have, how to find it, who's the beneficiary, okay? And then as time goes on, begin to add arrangements. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for breaking all of this down. Because though it is a hard conversation, it is it's just so necessary. And like you said, so many of our families are leaving money on the table that could be passed for generations. So I hope everyone listening is encouraged to firstly, like you said, deal with your own self and go ahead and get yourself covered and then begin making sure that your immediate family and then so forth and so on um, have the necessary policies in place to, to, to cover yourselves. So thank you again, Jabari. Um, You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yes. Honor to be a part of history. <laughs> history in the making. Thank you. I appreciate that. Let's get into brownie points. This is a segment set aside for us to celebrate ourselves for a recent victory, whether big or small. So Jabari, tell us, what are you giving yourself brownie, fo- brownie points for today? Um, you know, like I said, one, one that I could think of 10 years uh, in the insurance industry. Um, just thinking about all the highs and lows, uh, building an agency, training agents. Um, Man, running my head into the wall, knots all on my head, bruised and beat up, bloodied up. But enduring that and, um, you know, just, oh, and then another thing, um, you know, opening my mind to um, next level, right? I invested in a a real estate course um, to focus more so on the investor side. So I invested in myself. Um, to learn something new, to, you know, take this thing to the next level. You know, we talk about generational wealth and real estate is a way that's, that's part of the, part of the puzzle. Yeah. The pieces of the puzzle. Yes. Yes, absolutely. But that was big for me to invest in that. Yes. That is incredible. That is incredible. And I look forward to hearing about all that that investment comes back and returns to you. Um, oh, thank yes. you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. That's wonderful. Um, I am giving myself brownie points for being more direct with um, the people I come in contact with, specifically in the realm of dating. Like I'm asking these questions straight up for and 
I just thought about this. It's actually because of you. Yeah, I remember you told me over Thanksgiving. You were like, there are certain there are certain questions that should be answered before the first date. Like, and oh, it's a lot of background. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there's some questions that like it just should be answered before the first date. And if they're serious about you, they won't be intimidated by those questions. Like, don't even go on the first date before knowing this. Because I have been operating as if, like, I'll get this information on the first date. You know what I'm saying? And then I'll decide accordingly. Right. You're like, don't even... I, listen, I'm giving myself brownie points for being right, right, right. right. Being one I mean, of the that's major. <laughs> that's, that's major. Let me... Let me. <laughs> no, that's thank major. You. Thank you, thank you. That's funny to me. Thank you so much. Again, thank you for being here. Um, please tell us where we can find you, how we can get in contact with you, and all the things. Um, well, you know, I'm just getting back from my uh, social media. You know, I was I was in the hideout, but I'm back. Um, but yeah, my Instagram, uh, Bari D33. You just type in Jabari D Shields. Uh, I'm on Facebook, and uh, yeah, that's 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 what you can find. Thank you for sharing that. Y'all, please go support, follow, and contact him if you need more information. Yes, questions, even if you have policy you want me to review, please. I'm I'm open to that, you know, to help in that area. Yeah. For sure. And if you would like to buy some podcast merch, please visit the website. Link is below. If you're watching on YouTube, the link is in the description. If you're listening on your uh, chosen podcast platform. The link is also in the description. It is shadesofbrownpodcast.com. If you would like to become a sponsor of an episode, please click the link in the description. I would love to promote your products and services. If you want to support the podcast in a way that does not cost you any money, Please follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Shades of Brown Podcast. Please subscribe to my mailing list with the link in the description. Or you can subscribe to this YouTube channel. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to this YouTube channel. And you can leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening there. And of course, ultimately, I am so appreciative every time you share this podcast with your friend. Put it in the group chat. Throw the link in the group chat. Send it to your friends, your mama, whoever, um, your boo, your coworkers, all the people. Like, just share. That means so much to me. And it is equally as valuable as you buying merch or whatever else you do with your money. So um, thank you so much for tuning in and supporting Chase of Brown. And as always, I'd like to leave you with this. I hope that you would be well, love well, and be loved well. That's my prayer for you because I think you deserve it. Until next time, bye.